welcome to the first official Pick and Pod episode of 2021. We did it. We made it through 2020, and now it's on to bigger and better things. I'm Kelly Bright here alongside Thomas Ayello. And Thomas, this is, I believe, the first time we've hosted together since being in the same training group at WFUV, which feels like eons ago. But nonetheless, glad to have you on the show with me today. How are you doing? How was your New Year's? Yeah, I mean, Kelly, you are right. This is the first time that me and you have done a pick and pod. I was supposed to do it with you, I think, a couple weeks ago, but you unfortunately came down with uh, an ailment. So I had to step into your place along with Thomas Quigley, who is a frequent host of the show. Yeah, welcome to 2021, everybody. I'm glad that you're all still in one piece and Kelly, you as well. I can't believe that we made it through such a crazy year with sports being canceled and bubbles and other nonsense that you can point to that happened during the year. But here we are, we're looking to make a comeback in 2021. And what better way to do that than to um, get started with a pick and pod to uh, discuss the new NBA season. Yeah, exactly. It was a year of many firsts and also hopefully many lasts. You know, hopefully 2021 brings us a lot of new and more positive things. It certainly brought us a lot of you know, fun, entertaining basketball. And speaking of which, you know, I feel like New Year's, the holidays, great time to spend time with family. But family is family can be good and family can be bad. And no one told me that Steve Harvey signed up with the King's Media Department. But oh, no, God. We've got a family feud in Sacramento. And it starts with Marvin Bagley III's father tweeting out after their 102-94 loss to Houston on Saturday he asks the Kings and asks them to, in all caps, please trade his son ASAP. And he signs it, love Coach Bagley. And he since deleted the post, but he has retweeted multiple quoted tweets with screenshots of the original tweet. But Thomas, what are your initial thoughts and reactions to this very LeVar Ball-esque situation? Well, I think the first thing that I'm going to say is that if anyone knows the backstory of Billy Joel and his whole family agency debacle. I think you know where I'm going with this. Family members getting involved in the lives of those that are famous in their families is literally the worst idea that you can possibly uh, come up with or even allow if you're a professional athlete, more or less, to be in your lives. I mean, if we look at LeVar Ball and what he did to his kids, I mean, he advertised... Lonzo Ball is the second coming of Magic Johnson. And he hasn't really, I wouldn't say, lived up to that expectation. He's certainly been a serviceable player. We talked about all three of his kids are going to make the league and he's going to brand them. And then there was a whole issue they had with some guy working at Big Baller Brand and taking money. So family just getting involved by looking at that is not a good idea. And Papa Bagley getting involved in poor Marvin's uh, professional career knowing that he's already had problems in Sacramento because they don't give him the ball and Luke Walton is clearly clueless on how to use him. This just doesn't help anything to me. And I think that Papa Bagley needs to take a step back and he has to realize, Hey, you know what? I might actually ruin my kid's career because of me having Twitter fingers. And to be completely honest, if you've ever encountered uh, family gatherings with younger siblings, or you have younger siblings in your immediate family, you know that there are certain things you have to put out of their reach. Like the cookie jar has to go on the very top shelf because they'll just eat all the cookies. 
But that doesn't stop us, Kelly, from discussing any trade possibilities for Marvin Bagley. And you know what? It might be best if he moves on from Sacramento, in my personal opinion. I definitely think that there are a couple teams that could use his services, who they are. Uh, That would have to remain unknown for now because only so many people have trade assets at this moment. But considering the mess that he's in right now, obviously Sacramento is not a place that players and coaches have exactly raved about being a part of for quite some time now. But I definitely think that uh, Marvin Bagley should explore can I get out of this and potentially revitalize my career? See, Thomas, I'm going to agree to an extent with you, but I'm also going to disagree. See, for me, I agree. Pops, put the phone away. It's, <laughs> you're too old to be on Twitter. You're too old to be causing drama. Same thing with, you know, Fox's dad also went on. Oh, my God, that was worse. I think DeAndre Fox summed it up with his tweet just saying simply, Jesus Christ. I think that's <laughs> a great summary of it. It just feels like, a classic AAU parent thinking his son is the next coming of Michael Jordan or LeBron James when, when in reality, he's just not. And that's my issue, I think, with Martin Bagley. Now, he's not the one who came out and requested a trade. It is his dad. But at the same time, like you said, it does call into question, should Marvin Bagley be looking at other teams? You know, should, should we reevaluate his fit with the Kings? And to me, I, that brings me to the question, what has Marvin Bagley done for this team? What has he accomplished in this league that warrants him this, you know, this kind of player empowerment that you see with all-stars like James Harden, LeBron, you know, realistically, what team is going to really want to be involved in a training conversation with him? He's only played in what he played in what 13 games last season. Yeah. Hasn't done much this year. He hasn't been impressive. His rookie season was pretty good. You know, he had good energy. He's athletic, but you know, he's also came into a rookie class with Luka Doncic and Trey Young, who were both drafted after him. So that already puts that puts him in a pretty tough conversation. You know, that that puts a lot of criticism with how he's performed. You know, it's just, you know, it's what really is he gonna ask for? Like, has he really done enough for this team to really have the right to look at other teams and say, oh, the Kings have done me so They've done me so wrong. They've disrespected me. I, I deserve to be somewhere better. When he really, his numbers aren't anything special. And you mentioned Luke Walton not playing him in the fourth quarter as much because, you know, he's averaging 25 minutes a game. He just hasn't been playing in the fourth quarter. But, you know, Luke Walton, he's going to stick with somebody he has more trust in. He hasn't seen Bagley play as much. He's going to go with somebody like Harrison Barnes, who he has a relationship with that goes back to Golden State. And he trusts him more. And to quote Tony Wins, Savage, you know, Bagley, you were a rookie, you know, Harrison Barnes, he's a vet. And at the end of the day, in the fourth quarter, you're going to go with people you trust. So I don't really, I, I understand the frustration to an extent, you know, the Kings, they, they have drama every year, you know, last year was the whole buddy healed wanting out, you know, they have drama every year, they have been pretty disappointing, underwhelming. But at the same time, like, let's slow our roll a little bit. It's Marvin Bagley, the third, it's not, you know, it, it's not a top 25 player in the league. Yeah, it's not like you're dealing with Shaq or uh, that kind of trade disaster. And that happened way back, way back in the 2000s. But if we're looking at Marvin Bagley's production, I mean, just going off of points, his rookie year, he averaged, uh, I'm going to round here for just numbers sake. He averaged 15 points, seven and a half rebounds, uh, a block a game. And then last season, he only played 13 games, like you said, but 14 points, seven and a half rebounds again. And this year in the seven games that he's played and given folks, he's playing only 25 minutes a game in all three seasons. 
Now he's averaging 11 points and eight rebounds and not even a half a block a game. So I, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what they're telling him to do because he is definitely way more talented than this. He is definitely a more physically imposing player than from the things that I've seen him do. He just doesn't look like he wants to be out there. And that could that be the Sacramento Kings and just the brain trust that they've had over the years just has not sat well with anybody. I mean, I know that Vladi Divac is gone. And I think that Vivek Ranadive doesn't own the team anymore. I could be mistaken, but you know, there's still lingering parts I'm sure from the previous leadership and brain trust that just has not sat well with the players. And, you know, you talk about Buddy Heald wanted out. Um, there's been De'Aaron Fox rumors. It hasn't, those haven't exactly caught fire, but those are incredibly possible. Uh, and Marvin Bagley, I mean, he's just, he's kind of just being thrown down the drain. And I won't be surprised if next season he's just completely unplayable because right now he's just, he looks horrible. He just doesn't want to be out there. And I think a change of scenery could probably be the only uh, way to fix him. I'm not saying that you have to trade him, but unless you find a way to develop him and get him back to where you want him to be, I don't, I don't see him staying in Sacramento long-term. And the same can go for Buddy Heald because he, he just got paid a pretty, I'd say, cheap contract for what he probably would have liked. It's around $16, $20 million. That's pretty cheap in today's NBA. And they drafted Tyrese Halliburton. He's a point guard. And Darren Fox is already their franchise guy. So I don't know what the Kings are doing. I would definitely look into trying to trade some of – those players like Bagley or maybe healed because I'm sure that they won't want to be there. But unless you can salvage this whole situation, I don't, I don't know what the Kings do. They just might never make the playoffs again in our lifetime. It's entirely possible that that happens. You know what? People said that same thing, that same line you just said a lot about the New York Knicks. <laughs> and Thomas, I, when I found out you were going to be my co-host, I <laughs> knew we were going to have to talk about your Knicks. And Again, for the first time in a long time, I honestly have mostly, if not all, positive things to say about this team. You know, they're starting at four and three. That's a better record than the Nets right now, who I thought arguably could have been a championship or bus team to start looking, you know, from the preseason. And yes, some of their losses have been blowouts, but so have their wins. You know, they blew out a Bucks team by 20. That is arguably one of the best teams in the league. They beat the Pacers. They just top the Hawks last night. So Thomas, you know, as a diehard Knicks fan, is it too soon? Is it too soon to be super excited about this team? You know, they have had good starts in the past and then, you know, deflated as the season goes on. But do you think this early positive start is something good for Knicks fans? Is this, is this a good sign for the future? Okay. This is a really hard question to answer because I was screaming up and down yesterday. I watched the entirety of the first half against the Hawks. And then at halftime, my friends were like, oh, let's go to 7-Eleven and get snacks. But we spent the whole third quarter trying to fix my friend's car because the battery just died. So go figure. We missed the whole third quarter. We went back into the house and we watched the whole fourth quarter, which was amazing. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't flip out as much because it is the Knicks and they're running Alfred Payton at the point guard, which... Uh, him starting is never a good idea. Now, granted, he is playing well, but it took him 18 shots to get to 14 points yesterday, Kelly. Emmanuel Quickly, who they drafted 
late in the first round. He took seven shots and had 16 points. You, you, you pick. I, I don't know. I mean, the guard play right now, it's all right. I really like the Austin Rivers addition that they brought in this year. I think he was a great pickup, and he is very straightforward with his personality. He doesn't, he doesn't lie to you. He's kind of like a Charles Barkley in a way. I guess that's gonna how, how I'm going to put him. It, it's exciting. I think our two, the two team stars, R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, we're going to ignore Randall for a second because I can go on and on about his performance last season, but Robinson and Barrett yesterday, I think Barrett had the coming out party. And I snagged you and I tweeted at uh, Andrew Posadas, shout out to him on Twitter. I also snagged him a goodie bag because you guys missed it. You guys missed the big coming out party. And you know what? I'm excited, but I'm not going to flip out just yet. Because if, if they really start kicking the crap out of teams, okay, well, hold on a second. Then I'm going to really, I'll really lose it. But for now, let's just be happy with one game at a time. All right, let's, let's go one game at a time, Kelly. Yeah, I think what's key about this team right now is that they're building and not chasing. And that's something that's screwed them over in the past few years is, you know, now they're, they're taking these small victories. They're actually developing these young guys, you know, some of the guys you just mentioned, instead of going all in or nothing on some B-level star and just hoping for the best and throwing it all out there and taking their fans' hearts and just absolutely ripping them out of their chest. And, you know, there's this team seems to be bought in. You know, it took Fisdale – 22 games to get four wins last season and Tibbs has done it in seven and you take this you know 62 63 year old coach you put him in you know he's very old school very traditional put him with this group of young 20 something guys all kind of coming from different places at different stages of their skill level development and they just seem to be bought in you know you hear these players talking about Tibbs you know in the post game conference and they're all they all have just such positive things to say you mentioned Julius Randle briefly and I could also go on for a long time about him and I think I think a reason that he's had so much success this year and you've seen so much development you know he shot under 30 percent a year ago and now he's shooting almost 50 percent overall you know he's averaging 20 points a game 10 rebounds over seven assists he's in a lot better shape his first step is quicker and I think that's a huge testament to Tom Thibodeau bringing in Kenny Payne as an assistant. You know, Kenny Payne, he worked with Randall in college at Kentucky for over 10 years, and he was kind of known as this big guy whisperer. He's got this whole move like a guard, like a big philosophy, and that's worked with so many guys. You know, just look at people who have come out of that program and under who have come out of, you know, Kenny Payne's wing, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, you know, all these players who show an above average skill level at playmaking at their position. And now you're starting to see it in Julius Randle, which is a huge leap from last season to this season. You know, now his, I think, trailing only the Joker in Denver for assist percentage, you know, over 36 minutes, he's averaging 4.3 passes and 1.1 assists in that same time clip. And he's passing on over 50% of post-up plays which in the previous years, you know, he's someone who doesn't look to pass very much and that leads to a lot of costly turnovers. So even that's just one example of just one player developing already under this new coaching staff. You mentioned Austin Rivers, you know, he's obviously new in the organization, but he's been able to come off the bench and do some great things. You know, I think you tweeted out, uh, it was really cool. I was watching highlights from the game, Mike Bream giving him, a, you know, a bang, you know, one of the- He got, a, he got a bang on a defensive play, I think. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it's just a lot, there's a good energy in New York. And I agree. I don't want to get, I don't want to, 
it's just happened too often in the past where people get really excited at the beginning and then have their spirits crushed. But, you know, it's, it's looking like a completely different team, a different chemistry than we've seen in the past few seasons. I mean, I, I've never been a part of a rebuild like this, where it's actually fun to watch them just kind of stink it out some games. And then some games, they just look like the 96 Bulls. I don't know what the heck it is, but it's very enjoyable. And I'm going to read you a statistic, Kelly. Last season under David Fisdale, the New York Knicks were 23rd in defensive rating and 28th in offensive rating. This year, they are 25th in offensive rating, 11th in defensive rating, and everyone is actually jumping up and smiling on the bench when someone scores a layup. Take that for data, David Fisdale. Tom Thibodeau is a superior coach in every way, like you said, and I forget who said it. I think it was um, one of the Knicks beat reporters. It might have been Bondi or Ian Begley, one of those people. And they said that when they've talked to Tom Thibodeau, he just, he's just such an intelligent basketball mind. Like He just knows everything about defense. He can tell you everything about offense, how to run a team, how to manage grown-ups, if you will, like and the different egos that they bring. But you also forgot to mention the most important addition to this Knicks team, Kelly. Knicks coaching legend Mike Woodson has returned. He has returned from the 2013 playoff run when he coached Carmelo Anthony and a bunch of um, retirement home NBA players to a 54-win season. So let's not forget another Knicks legend, Jason Kidd, who was one of my favorite players on that team. But Mike Woodson is back, and you talk about Kenny Payne as well. They have been through the merry-go-round of, of basketball with coaching, obviously Kenny Payne at Kentucky, Tom Thibodeau with Boston. And Thibodeau was actually an assistant with the Knicks way back in the 90s. So uh, go figure when that was like the Patrick Ewing days, Allen Houston and those guys. And he has returned. And then before the Knicks, obviously Minnesota, that didn't go well. Boston, he was an assistant under Doc Rivers. But he has been a part of the attempt of building up a team. and. He was successful with that in Chicago. And I mean, we all know how that ended, but granted he built a great product and then look at what he's doing now. So far it's, it's been pretty good, but I wouldn't expect the playoffs for this team. I, I can't believe I just used the P word too. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect the playoffs for this team only because I don't think that they would have the chops to get it done or like even win a game if they even make it. But if they can win 25, 28 games, you know, and mostly the kids are doing the work, I, I think that you can consider that a win. I know everyone wants to go to the playoffs. Again, the P word, but not yet. Let, let's pump the brakes here just a little bit, but it's nice to see what's going on over there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they are still a few years off. Maybe not too many years, maybe one or two, but a few years off from that P word. Another team that I think has a big question mark when it comes to the playoffs, you know, that, that God forbidden word is the Warriors. And, you know, I think they're a very different team in terms of their makeup compared to the Knicks and the fact that the Knicks are kind of relying on a, on a very, you know, le level mix of players and skills. It's a very team oriented offense. And then you look at the Warriors and Steph Curry, first of all, let's just, let's put it out there. He went off. That on Sunday, you know, Bravo, points, Bravo, Steph. Career high. It was a much needed win for this Warriors over the Trailblazers. 137, 122 was the final score. 
Steph Curry was 18 for 31 from the field, 8 for 16 from beyond the arc, and 18 for 19 from the free throw line. That lone missed free throw snapped a streak of 80 straight free throws made for the former two-time MVP. So Steph Curry obviously showing out. He did have some concerns and criticism at the beginning of the season. You know, you know, a lot of media members saying, oh, he's not looking like he's not looking like the same player. His shooting's a little off. We were saying that though when he was still shooting like 37, 38%. And he was still 98% from the free throw line when we were saying, oh, he doesn't look as good. He looks off. So Thomas, let me ask you this. Steph Curry, do we think he's going to be enough to help this Warriors offense and this Warriors team. Is he going to be enough? Okay. This is an interesting question, Kelly, because people were comparing the carry job of Steph Curry that he has to do this year to a carry job that LeBron James would have to do or that Michael Jordan had to do way back when. Like, no one can, there's no NBA players ever in the history of of basketball, maybe even the history of sports, you could say that carries teams like Jordan and LeBron James have and did and do. Sometimes they still do, or LeBron does at least. Jordan's not playing anymore. But no crap. Steph Curry's not going to carry a team like LeBron James will. But I think him just by himself, and he's not going to drop 62 every game, but if he gets hot, I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be enough to win you games. I mean, James Wiseman's looked pretty good to start. And it's funny you, you say the Warriors team, Kelly, because I actually do not like everyone on the Golden State team except Steph. I love Steph. And uh, I'm not sure about Wiseman yet, but I think I'm going to like him. But other than that, I don't like anyone on that team. I mean, Draymond's just incredibly annoying. Andrew Wiggins just doesn't want to play basketball sometimes. And if you remember from the Game of Zones – episode when uh he was selling the Timberwolves and Jimmy Butler was beating up everyone at practice and a heart just comes flying through the window and then Thibodeau's like uh it's not Wiggins is hot it's too big and then Wiggins just comes like has anyone seen my heart so <laughs> I don't like Wiggins but and Kelly Oubre too he's also really annoying only because he's just he, he, he doesn't shoot threes well enough for me to to enjoy his play despite his incredible athleticism but I think Steph, and if they can get everyone else to contribute enough, I think it's enough for them to get into the playoffs. Do I think they're going to get a fifth seed? Probably not. The West is incredibly dense, and there are teams who are out of place right now that aren't in the playoff race. So those guys can turn it on at any time, and they might kick Golden State out. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like to think when Steph's hot and if everyone else is just competent enough to, to help him on that night, yeah, I think they can win games. I don't know if it, it's going to amount to anything, but yes, I think Steph is enough. But the, comparing him to a LeBron carry job or a Jordan carry, that is just horrible. Please don't do that. I am begging you. That is just really just not a good, a good take at all. Comparing LeBron to Steph Curry is like comparing apples to oranges. They're just their physicality is not the same. You know, Steph is 185 pounds, like six foot two. He's not going to carry a team. He's not even he's not heavy enough to carry a team, let alone <laughs> skill wise. And you kind of mentioned it. He's kind of being weighed down by two of the players you mentioned. You don't like now. I definitely I don't know how I feel about them on a personal level. But, you know, 
as far as at a basketball level, they have struggled this year, especially Kelly Oubre. You know, until last night's game, he was shooting 6.7% from oh. the point line. That is disgusting. That, oh, he, I would cut him immediately. <laughs> for 30 in his first 32 attempts. So, you know, it's just not – not great not great and it, it just it hurts to see these players taking away from the potential that Steph Curry has you know he Curry is a generational talent he's beyond a generational he literally changed the game the way it's played you know the way he shoots he's one of the greatest shooters of all time not just you know not just in this generation and the window his window of opportunity is is sadly probably closing pretty soon you know he's going to turn 34 next season He's been injured a few times now. Thompson's about to turn 32. Green's going to turn 32. And it's you have these questions. What are their defense going to look like when, you know, when Thompson is back? Are they going to be able to get more help out of these younger guys? You know, how much longer is Curry going to be able to play at this MVP level that his team needs him to be able to perform at in order to be successful? So, you know, I think they are kind of running out of time. I do think I kind of agree with you. I would see them as a five, six seed because I do think Curry is good enough to help them get there, but they're going to need a lot more out of their younger guys, um, especially they're going to need Wiggins to step up. They're going to need Ubre to play better. He did. He's not going to shoot that badly throughout the season. That's just not going to happen, but he's going to have to still step up a lot if they're going to have a chance. And I do think, I think Steph Curry's also going to need the ball in his hands more. You know, he is the heart and soul of this team. He's not going to have the same usage rates and ISOs and pick and rolls like Harden or a player, you know, who's a little bit bigger. But the more that he's going to play on ball, the better chance they're going to have at winning games. And, you know, I'm going to transition this into the Warriors. You know, they're kind of a so-so team so far, kind of kind of basically where everyone expected them to be. But, Thomas, let me ask you this. Are there any teams or players that have surprised you so far? You know, about we're about two weeks into the season. Are there any teams – that kind of pleasantly surprised you and that you have that your their outlooks are pretty hopeful entering this new year. I, I think a team that is really kind of shocking me, um, who a lot of people were saying were gonna stink this year is actually the Indiana Pacers. Now I know that they just lost TJ Warren and say what you want about Miles Turner, but Tamantas Sabonis has committing has been committing genocide against opposing big men. It has been it has been a sight to see. Really, he dropped a triple-double, I think, in the opening night against the Knicks. Um, he's shooting threes now, and he's, he's doing just about everything. Incredibly crafty around the basket. His mobility is just second to none, I think, for a power forward of his, his structure. I think he's just carrying that team. Victor Oladipo has come back quite well. Malcolm Brogdon is Mr. Efficiency. I'm sure that the advanced analytics people just want to marry him based off of his numbers alone. But I think I like this new Pacers team. I think they've been a very surprising team to me. They've moved away from that uh, grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies style of play. It's now more run and gun, you know, old fashioned Pacers with when they had Reggie Miller and Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose, you know, it's a lot more offense, a little less defense, but they are still a quality defensive team in my opinion. But I think that would be the team that is most surprising to me, Kelly. I think they've been kind of just coming out of the blue a little bit more than they usually would. Yeah, I did not expect you as well as they have either done that five and two records, one of the best in the East. But my team that surprised me the most, and this shouldn't come as a surprise as I am a Boston fan, is also in the East. And they might not have the same record 
as the Pacers, like you just mentioned. But I'm going to go with the Celtics. They're hovering above 500 with that four and three record. But if you take a look at the pieces they lost entering the season, you know, Kemba Walker's been out, obviously losing Gordon Hayward to that ridiculous contract in Charlotte. I feel like they've really, you know, turned on his team. Jalen Brown has been ridiculous. You know, he's been, him and Jason Tatum have proven to be one of the strongest, most dynamic duos in the league, averaging ridiculous points per game. You know, Jalen Brown's up to 29.5. And not only that, you know, you knew coming into the season you were going to have those two to build the team around. But the younger guys have been awesome. Creighton Pritchard, no, I had no idea who he was. Yeah, wait, who, where did he come from? Oregon? Oregon. From Oregon. Yeah, I, who the heck is he? <laughs> he had 23 points the other night, eight assists. You know, he's coming in and playing. He's leading that secondary, you know, that secondary offense for them so well. He's ridiculous, and he's perfect for Boston. He's a hustler. He works hard. You know, not very flashy player, and you know he's going to give you 110% every night, and that just fits so well into, you know, the Boston fan base there. They're going to love him. And I just love seeing, you know, even I think Grant Williams has been good. Semi Ojale, you know, they've been stepping up. Uh, Rob Williams, who hasn't played in a while. I think people kind of forgot about him. He just had his career high with 15 rebounds with 11 points, two block shots. He's shooting 74% from the floor. So I, I think they've just had a lot of role players who have really stepped up in these past few games. And this is a team who I, I was kind of nervous about going into the season just because they did lose so much offensive production, but I, I think Brad Stevens is going to be able to coach them into, you know, high playoff seating, um, you know, come when it, when we get to that point of the season. So I, I'm excited to see what happens for them, especially being a Boston fan. So that's going to do it for us on this episode of Pick and Pod. We're a little over two weeks into the season and less than a week into, into the new year, but I think we have a lot to look forward to in these coming months coming months and you know speaking nothing but good health good vibes and good basketball into existence for everyone in 2021 but until next week for thomas aiello i'm kelly bright thanks for tuning in pick and pod is a